This is the Bob Cowan Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers on, online casino and sportsbook app today. Voice of the Raptors, Matt Devlin with me today for Bob. A little bit of hockey talk. You ever been to Sweden? I have not. I I look forward to going. I know you have with mm-hmm. all your travels. I read about it in uh, Evolve or Die, John Shannon. <laughs> no, you book. didn't. Yeah, I, I don't think I wrote that. Why? Well, you, you know, <laughs> there's not... either that or the night <laughs> or the few <laughs> nights that we've gone out and had some deep discussions at our at, we a, call, at a local restaurant. That... <laughs> we we call that we call that in uh, in terms of the tax write off a production meeting. <laughs> a production meeting. That's right. That was a production meeting, John. <laughs> well, they're, uh, they're, by the way, rap... go ahead. No, I was going to say. By the way, I really like the format of of this global series where you have four teams each of them playing two i mean if you're going to travel over there i i you know it's i, I, I think like it, it only makes sense I, to I, do it i really do i i, I yeah. think if you if you if you only sent two teams over and made them play twice uh yeah no it, i like it, it doesn't make any sense i think this is great so the, the toronto maple Leafs, yeah. ottawa senators detroit red wings and minnesota wild are there uh the the, the only team that the Leafs will not play there is ottawa uh, and uh, so it'll be uh, Ottawa playing both Detroit and Minnesota and obviously the Maple Leafs playing they, those same two teams. It starts Thursday with Ottawa on the ice. Uh, and we're going to talk to Mike Zeisberger from NHL.com, who has been a longtime hockey writer, obviously, a good friend of this group of people, uh, and is in Stockholm uh, for the week, uh, including uh, the uh, world premiere of a docudrama series on Boreas Salming. Uh, was last night in Stockholm. We'll be back with Mike Zeisberger after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge betrivers.com welcome back to the mccallum podcast mr basketball matt devlin with me again today and uh joined from stockholm sweden you know mike we have mike zeisberger's there we have had uh shows from mexico we've had shows obviously from canada the united states we've been in dubai we've been in zurich and now we're adding Stockholm, Sweden to uh, the list of venues for uh, the McCowan podcast as you're there for the NHL games that are going to start on Thursday for the next four days. Uh, welcome and uh, tell me what you've done. I need a travel log. Well, number one, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, I will say this. I love it here. Sure as hell would be a lot warmer in Dubai right now. I'll tell you that. But uh, no, you know, it, it, it's cool. And I always... You know, you see people on social media like, why would the NHL do that? This and yada, yada, yada. Look, 
I mean, as we all know, Sweden and and Swedish people, Swedish-born NHLers, I mean, they, they are part of the fabric of the league now. They have been going back to when Borja Salming and Inga Hammerstrom came came um, into the league in the early 70s. And, I mean, I, I think it's great. I mean, you can nitpick and say that it disrupts uh, the flow of a season and, and things of that nature. But, you know, the guys that are here, they embrace it. Um, John Tavares yesterday talked about the fact, and, and he'd heard this from Willie Nylander, that, you know, kids growing up here, if they want to see a Victor Hedman on TV play live or Willie Nylander, I mean, what parents are going to let them stay up till 1 a.m., which is when the games start there. So mm-hmm. this is a great opportunity for them to see some of their heroes or the NHL game play either live or on TV. And I asked both you guys, how is that a bad thing? Oh, I don't think it is. I mean, I think it's also very respectful that 37% of the players in the National Hockey League now come from Europe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's it's so true. And, you know, you want you want the game to grow globally. And, and I think this is a great way to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't hear the same people bitching about the fact that the NFL goes over there. And yet... No. Um, I think we saw, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, people talk about all oh, things being unfair. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars being there for two consecutive weeks and the Buffalo Bills flew in uh, two or three days ahead of time? Uh, I will say this, and I know both of you guys are world travelers, as it were. Um, you know, there is <laughs> John, a for sure. jet lag and, and, and it, it does get to you and, and, you know, uh, for a team like the Maple Leafs, I mean, coming in on Tuesday, it's it's probably good that they don't play until Friday because it does take at least a day, day and a half to start getting acclimatized with the time change. I, I am all for this. I, I've been a part of it with the Raptors where yeah. you go to Europe and, 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 and what do you see, right? You continually see the growth of the game globally. And I think starting the preseason in Australia. I know they had ice issues there. However, that is tremendous to bring the game there and to bring it to Sweden. And and by the way, I think maybe the the greatest thing about this is that from my reading, Mike, if if my understanding is right, this could be the first time that Willie Nylander's grandmother is actually going to be able to see him play live. How great is that? I mean, that is like, I mean, that's, like kind of along with you talk about the kids, but the fact that family members yes. get to see them play for the first time to me uh, just speaks to how great this event is. No, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt that William Nylander, doesn't hurt that William Nylander's on a heater too. Holy smoke! <laughs> hey, <laughs> and, so, and see, John, but enough about the fact that he's on his uh, contract year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, it's funny how that happens. You yeah, know? it's amazing in any sport, right? So uh, sport. Uh, you you touched on Boreas Salming and Inga coming in nineteen. I think it's fifty years this year, uh, Mike. That they, yeah. that they came to play for the Maple Leafs. Um, and last night there was a a, a premiere of sorts for a a, a a docudrama series in Swedish and in English on Boreas Salming, who um, reengaged with. 
the Canadian market uh, last year and with his tragic death after a, a short stint of uh, being struck with ALS. Um, Borja Salming's a special man in Sweden and always will be a special man in Sweden. And last night must have been an, a, a fascinating event to be part of. Well, it, John, it was incredible. And, and you know, um, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll be shameless and pimp my story. But uh, my column is on NHL.com. It has photos. I mean, this thing was. Well, let's let's start from the beginning. So they made they've made a six part docuseries um called called solving and i think it's uh the, the the gist of it is from the from his humble beginnings to to being a legend and and last night um i think i referred to it as a hollywood red carpet uh a party uh swedish edition um now this this docuseries is being pimped so much over here um you go to the central station Kind of like Union Station in Toronto, the, the the main train station. It is everywhere. Posters are everywhere. Boria here, Boria there. There's billboards all around town. Boria, like it 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 far surpasses. I've got to say, um, you know, even when the Raptors won the won the NBA title, um, I didn't see as many billboards or posters or that after they had won like you are seeing pimping this thing and then last night they had a, a red carpet for it and it was just like a who's who um you know there were there were swedish entertainers the list of hockey people guys i mean you had matt sundin you had steve eiserman bill Guerin, nick lidstrom henrik zetterberg uh, we can go down the list. Uh, William Nylander was there. His dad, Michael Nylander. Um, you know, John Tavares came because he wanted to uh, to experience it. Uh, Jason Priestley, the actor uh, from 90210 and, and, and uh, Private Eyes, he stars in the movie. Um, he was there too. And by the way, I didn't tell him that I didn't like 90210. I didn't want to interview, ruin my interview with him. You know, sometimes you have to pull back. But uh, well, no, now he's going to be, you know, he's going to watch this show and then going to be mad at you, Mike. So, oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, he wasn't coming on anyways, John. So, you know, but <laughs> no, he was very, very gracious. And, uh, but, you know, you could also tell with the celebrities that were there by the amount of paparazzi shooting, um, shooting them in the backdrop against the backdrop and that, even though I personally didn't know some of the people, um, you could tell how big of a deal this was. And it, it the outpouring of support uh, for Borja year after his passing. I think, I think when I talked to Jason Priestley last night, I think he put it very succinctly when he said, you know, you know that Borja is a big deal in Toronto and in Canada. And then you come over here and he goes, he may be even bigger here than he ever was over there. And, and and one of the reasons is, I mean, we talk about, like, look at some of the guys, you know, Nick Lidstrom being there last night and Zetterberg. And, and um, you know, uh, I talked to Peter Forsberg about, about, about him the other day. None of these guys would have ever had the opportunity to be in the National Hockey League. I mean, who knows what would have happened. But Borea and to a lesser extent, Inga Hammerstrom, 
like you pointed out, John, in 1973, opened the door for so many of these guys to come into the National Hockey League. And like Matt Sundin uh, told me yesterday, it was like, you know what? It allowed general managers to look and say, not only can we sign Swedish players, but they belong in the National Hockey League. And now you look at them and it's just, you just shake your head. And the fact that Borja in 1996 became the first, um, you know, a Swedish born or European born NHLer uh, to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame, I think that documents and says it all about what his impact has been um, on the sport for sure. One of my favorite scenes, Mike. Um, so I, in 1996, I'm running Hockey Night in Canada. Um, and one of my really? favorite, yeah, I, I know that's hard to believe. Maddie doesn't believe it. He, 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 I, I've read about it in Evolve yeah. or Die, John yeah. Shannon. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Hall of Fame, this was great the, fiction, isn't it? Oh, come on. Now. <laughs> that hurts from another writer. So, John, John, by the way, by the way, by the way, for those people that didn't know, I was BSing there. Hockey Night in Canada, in a lot of ways, is what it is because of Mr. Shannon, but I, I, I regress. Continue. So, one of my favorite stories of the year Salming went into the Hall of Fame was that was also the same year that Bob Cole received the Foster Hewitt Award. Uh, and because Bob was working for us, I said, okay, Bob, you're going to wear a microphone <laughs> when you go on the ice to drop the puck on that Saturday night game. He says, what? I said, no, no, you're going to wear a microphone because we want to be able to hear what you and Borey are talking about. And so we, we, this, and this really was the first time, uh, that, uh, it was televised that whole ceremony, uh, for the hall of fame and, uh, and the, the inductees on the Saturday night game. It's moved to Friday night because it's a TSN event now, but in those days it was on Saturday for hockey night. And my fate, one of my favorite pictures, and you can find it on YouTube, you can find it all over the places. After the ovation for Borea Salming, Bob reaches over and picks his hand up and holds it over their heads like he's awarding a prize fight. Uh, and the place just erupts. And that was Bob Cole and Boreas Salming as Salming became the first European-born player to join the Hockey Hall of Fame. I've never forgotten it, and it's a good way to always remember what Bob Cole... Bob Cole understood that moment, too, and that was that to me was was kind of cool. Hey, so... Well, our friend Bob, our fr our friend Bob uh, understood a lot of moments, John. He was... Yeah, sure there, were yeah. fewer, there were fewer better in identifying the moment and knowing what to say than him. Exactly. His special so, moment, so, for sure. So let's yeah. uh, let, let's talk about the practicalities of the National Hockey League. Um, the Maple Leafs come out of the weekend before they go to Stockholm with a win on Friday against Calgary, uh, a really convincing win 24 hours later against the Vancouver Canucks, who were one of the hottest teams in the game. Uh, are the Maple Leafs over the hump? Oh, I don't know if they're over the hump, but I will say this. You, you mentioned the game against the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday, and you know, I thought the Leafs got themselves into some pretty bad penalty trouble early on. Um, they had they took six minors uh, in the first 28 minutes, which is a recipe for disaster. Uh, they gave up a couple power play goals in the first period. Then their penalty killing got better. But I would say, I would argue that the last 32 minutes of the ga that game was as good as I've seen uh, the Leafs play. Um, and not only from the fact that 
they overcame that deficit to win the game. Um, but the way that they shut Vancouver down in the third period is something that we haven't seen them do. Um, tighten up defensively. And look, I mean, there are some, there still are some, some words uh, when it comes to their defensive play. Uh, I got to think that if they want to make a deeper run come the springtime, that blue line is going to have to be addressed. But right now it is what it is. I like the way that they played. The game against Calgary the night before was, what do they say? Anytime a hockey coach says that is told that the fans were really entertained, the hockey coach will come back and say, my God, did we ever play bad? Right? Because, <laughs> you know, offensive hockey and, you know, I would suggest maybe Maddie sometimes uh, when basketball games get into the 120s, 130s is because teams are playing poor defense. I, my, my, I actually thought you were quoting Darko after the game against Washington. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, Mike, you mentioned Calgary and you mentioned, you know, the defense of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, come on, like it, it, it leads you right into, I think, what everybody here in town's talking about and the possibility of a couple of the, you know, guys on the back end with the Calgary Flames, you know, do they end up in Toronto? Well, I mean, I will say this, and, and, and you know, there has been a lot of speculation about Zadorov. Uh, you know, what general manager doesn't love it after a game when a, when a player's agent like Zadorov did comes out, with, uh, comes out with a tweet saying, pretty much saying he'd like a trade and then mentions Toronto. I mean, talk about painting a general manager into a corner, but you know, when it comes to Zadorov and when it comes to a guy like Tanif, um, they would be great fits for the Leafs. The other thing that I think adds fuel to this fire is the fact that Brad Tree Living obviously was the general manager of the Calgary Flames, has a great relationship with Craig Conroy, the current uh, GM in Calgary. He was his, he was Tree Living's assistant uh, for a number of years. So there is a match there. The, as as always in a salary cap league you've got to how do you get the, the square pegs in a round hole uh financially and then the other thing is what are the what what are the flames going to ask for so um it, it's fascinating to me because you know even if both parties are interested do you do it now or do you say let's wait a little bit until their cap hits are a little smaller and then there's a better fit so it's all, it, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I know John uh, offered up some, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Patrick behind Kane. the scenes insider about uh, that the Leafs have talked with the representatives of Patrick Kane. And once again, I mean, all of that makes sense. But again, how do you fit that into the salary cap? And that's going to be the big issue with any any moves that the Maple Leafs make. I think there are I think there are ten teams that are going to have to kick tires on Kane. By the way, yeah, uh, just yeah. because I mean, can can Kane be one of those guys that puts you over the top? I don't. And think here's the, Leafs, the thing, John: the are they going to be allowed to watch him? Are they going to allow to watch him train? Right, right. You, or is it just you, kind you, of you, like, you, hey, you, he, you know, the agent, you know, uh, our buddy Patrick's on his yeah. agent. You just say, he'll, does he just say? Oh, he's ready. Okay, let's bid. And none, nobody's seen what they're buying, right? 
Well, you, the, the interesting thing, you, you need to be a, find a way to become the uh, the custodian at the Oakville Arena in order to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be a, to be a spy to be able to see Pat Kane. <laughs> you know, yeah, you go up to the, to the Zamboni driver. Yeah, right. that's right. Or get a or, or do do the, do what they do in Michigan. Give the Zamboni driver glasses with a camera on them. You know, I mean that's what Michigan does. It, don't they? <laughs> exactly. But but you know, and here's the other thing too. It, it, and you mentioned this earlier, Mike. You know, it's about what the timing of it as well, right? And and you know, for Patrick Kane, I would imagine everything, the conversations, all of that is happening now. But as we know. You know, there's still a lot of time. It's one thing in any sport to go from, hey, he's ready to go from a practice standpoint, from doing those sort of things to all of a sudden he's now ready to play in a game. Yep. And what are the minutes with respect to that? And how long does that take, you know, to get ramped up? And do you wait a little bit longer? And then once he comes, is it, you know, for the back half of the year, is that's is that what's best from a cap standpoint for a team that's interested as well as for Patrick Kane to be most productive because you're bringing him in not only from a regular season standpoint, but you're ultimately bringing him in for what he can do in the playoffs. Right. And what, what fascinate what's fa what fascinates me too, Matt is like, what kind of, what's the duration of the deal? Like what, how many years do you give this? Exactly. Yeah, no, no. And by the way, you know, just to, to go back to something we were you were talking about with Tanev and and and, and Zadorov, um, you know, Calgary's still in that mushy middle in many ways. They haven't they haven't decided what they are yet. You know, if they're if they're going to be and this won't come from Craig Conroy. This will come from ownership. Um, you know, are they in a rebuild? You know where are they? Can they can they make the Pacific Division playoffs? Can be one? Can they be a wild card in the West or top three in the in the division? That those are the two challenges. They don't know that answer yet. You know, sure they lost in uh, in, in Toronto, um, but uh, I watched them play last night in Montreal and and they looked much better. Uh, now it was Montreal, they, but Montreal's got a better record than than Calgary right yep. now. Uh, and I think I think we're gonna we're not going to know about availability of some of those players in Calgary probably until the new year. I well, think they're going to wait the next fifteen are, or twenty games. Are they going to commit? That's the biggest thing, though, right? Is this yeah. the group that you commit to, right, Mike? I yeah. Mean, well, it, I mean, that would they're committed. They're committed to Huberto with that with that contract, obviously. Um, but the one thing, I mean. Craig Conroy is getting baptism, learning baptism by fire because uh, obviously uh, we saw a, a couple weeks ago the story come out that um, they will not negotiate in the season uh, with Noah Hannafin anymore. Although, I mean, right. guys, we've heard that before, and and then you know, then the then the calendar changes and it's a different day, and then right. they have a different philosophy on that. But the other thing that's come up is word out of Calgary that Nazem Kadri says he doesn't want to stick around if there's a rebuild. Now, you know, all of a sudden, it, it's just, it's it's a weird, you know, I think whoever came up with the term mushy middle. I did. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> you should have copyrighted that, you know? <laughs> I know. It's like, like that. You know, John, that's what I said. And if you and I would have invented Google like we had planned, 
then we'd be, you know, we wouldn't have to do one of these things. So you're conv you're convinced the internet's here to stay now, are you? Yeah, okay, it's finally <laughs> won me over, but uh, but no, it, 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 and and that is, you know, so Cal if Calgary rebuilds, that's great, but you're never going to move Huberto, and you're always going to have that chunk of salary cap there. Um, that's why it's not Craig Conroy's decision. This I, I'm can and I I think I think Craig's been put in a really tough spot. I can I I yeah. almost can sit here and guarantee that. This is ownership saying, oh, man, we're spending so much money. Why are we committing to guys that aren't winning? Why are we committing to, you know, to Noah Hannafin? Uh, I, I think Craig Conroy, who was close to getting that deal done, would have loved to have finished that deal. But yeah. I don't think he was allowed to. I really don't mm -hmm. think he was allowed to. And I think that that and and I think that you put Elias Lindholm in that uh, and obviously Nikita Zadorov on that. And, and, and the fascination is, is that there will be teams who are above the mushy middle thinking that they're one player away from you know yep. going to the western conference or the eastern conference final and, and those guys are going to be hot commodities in january they really Big are time. they are Big and that time. and that's not a bad thing if you have an organization that's prepared for the long term new arena coming in calgary we know it's with it, it's finally going to get built have, have we seen the shovel go into the ground john because we've heard this before no, but I talked to John Bean on Monday night at the Hall of Fame, and uh, and for the first time in a long time, I, I could see it in his eyes that there was a true level of optimism, and the three levels of government and the, the Flames and their group were all on the same page, all on the same page, and, finally. And is that three years away, would you I, say? Honestly, Maddie, I think it's five. Okay, so so if it's that far away... From an ownership standpoint, doesn't it make it a little bit easier to say, okay, let's go ahead and really take a hard look at this and let's see exactly where we're going to be and let's make sure as we get into that new facility that now, hey, we're ready to go. Or you do the reverse, which we've seen before, which is, hey, right. we know we're going to sell it out anyway because it's a new arena. But five years Everybody loves talking about rebuilds until you're in it, right? Right. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, hey, here it is. You know, how do you stay competitive with this group? Yeah. And then where can you take that group, right? I mean, you you might be able, specifically with the two defensemen that you've talked about, and uh, Tanev and Zizorov, can you take those two and turn them into something younger that has that little bit more of a runway. I don't know. Or draft picks that you don't have to pay for. And, well, years. of course, draft picks. You know that, but yeah, you know, it's interesting. competitive, though. Do not start using common sense in sports, Matt. You are using oh. common sense again, and it gets in the way of a good story. Well, it funny does. you bring it up does. common well, sense because you know. Calgary is a great city. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, it has gone through its ups and downs economically because of obviously the, the, the oil business. But still, um, how that place, such a great city with great fans, knowing what NHL hockey means to that community, has the worst arena. And yes, I'm, I'm saying it, the worst arena in the National Hockey League is beyond me because 
you go up you go up the highway three hours to Edmonton and John has spent John you've spent a lot of time I've spent there. time I've spent time there so it's world class you see the difference I don't I don't care you know they built they built the new the new arena and it's state of the art it's beautiful you can stay at the JW you don't have to go outside in February and that I think a lot of us are happy about that but no joking aside you see how the guts and interior of that city have changed not only surrounding the immediate area of the arena but in the periphery the restaurants okay the shops a lot of things like that it has changed the character of edmonton and you're down there in calgary and you can't tell me that if they had a new building you know there would be other revenue assets that would come in because you have a building there i mean i've always it's it's always john you talked about common sense i haven't understood why there hasn't been more in calgary in terms of trying to get a building done well in a nutshell before we go to break in a nutshell you've had uh, different philosophies of municipal government in calgary you've had uh, different philosophy of ownership uh, you had uh, some headstrong people running the Flames organization at yep. the time that wouldn't compromise. And it was difficult to get them all in the room and agree on anything, on anything. Uh, and it's unfortunate because you're right. I mean, the Saddle Dome is 40 years old right now. Um, and uh, it's the classic case. And we, we actually we saw this more in baseball than we did any other sport. You know, Three River Stadium, uh, Riverfront Stadium, Bush Cookie Stadium. cutters, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and the Saddle Dome was designed for a certain style, and it, it's just not serviceable anymore. And there's just not workable space on the event level anymore. And, and that's the unfortunate part. And, and technology has allowed buildings to be better built, simpler, and more efficient. And you're right. They need a new arena, and it's difficult to imagine why they haven't been able to get on the same page. But it appears now that all those groups are on the same page and pointing in the direction that Calgary will get its, its new arena. When we come back, we are real, going to- Real quick, real quick. And, yeah. and you guys are both, you know, right on the mark. I'll say this about Edmonton. As somebody that has traveled, as have both of you, to every arena in North America, that setup there with the JW and the arena right there is one of the best that you will ever find. Yeah. They did it right. Well, and I'll tell you what, I don't say this very often, but give Daryl Cates credit. Not not Daryl Cates' group. Give Daryl Cates credit, because a lot of the design, a lot of the access, a lot of that whole surrounding area was the vision of Daryl Cates as a person not as a company and he deserves even the design of the and the the, the classic look of the, what what the arena looks like uh what came right out of uh daryl cates's imagination when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about the other canadian team that uh is in sweden with mike the ottawa senators and perhaps michael landlauer now can actually have a smile on his face when he goes to a an arena for the senators to play a game albeit in europe this is the McCowan Pad Podcast. Back after this. Matt Devlin's in suburban Toronto. I'm in Toronto. 
and our buddy Mike Zeisberger is in Stockholm, Sweden. How we didn't get that assignment is beyond me. But Mike, the other Canadian team there is uh, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, get any sense of of how and what they are right now, and are, have th are things. Is is this a? Let me put it to you this way: Is this a good time for the Senators to go to Europe, or is this going to be another troubling time? John, I, I got to think it's a good time for them to be there because, you know, if you're Michael Anlauer, and I had a chance to talk to him a couple of weeks ago when they were in Toronto, and, you know, when he came in, the vibe around Ottawa, I mean, I love Ottawa. I went to Carleton. Um, it always used to piss me off when I heard all these hockey fans, alleged uh, hockey experts go well it's not a bad uh, it, it, it's not a very good hockey market and yada 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 Ottawa is a great hockey market okay they haven't been to the playoffs since what John I believe 2017 okay yep. anybody that's been to the rink understands it's not in Ottawa okay and if you live in the east end of Ottawa or more importantly they have so many hockey-loving people that live just across the river in Gatineau. And who wants to drive in rush hour traffic an hour from there to get to a, a Senators game? 45 minutes to an hour, which is what it's going to take you. Um, they're not going to come, but it's a great hockey market. Um, and then all of a sudden, yeah, Michael Anlauer come in. Uh, it seems to be a new day, uh, fresh. The, the enthusiasm in that market was so, so great. And then what happens? <laughs> you don't have Shane Pinto signed. Then you find out that Shane Pinto is going to get a 41-game suspension because of some gambling-related problem. And then you get stripped of a, of a draft pick, a first-round draft pick, um, because of a Dadenoff trade where the no trade, the teams on the no-trade list we're not forwarded to another another team, um, which eventually was the last straw and cost Pierre Dorian his job. And then the team goes in a funk. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I find it incredible how quickly the bottom fell out on this warm and fuzzy story. And, you know, uh, but before they came in here, over here, they started to play a little bit better. Um, and I think when you look at this team, it's, number one, I think it's good that they got out of North America. You know what? Get the distractions aside. Get a chance to bond. But the other thing is, and I think, you know, guys, I think we both agree, one of the things that makes it such a frustrating story is that when, and I understand that they've gone through injuries, especially on the back end, but you look at this team, you know, and enough on saying how good they are on paper because, I'm very impressed what they look look like on paper, but it's time for these guys to perform. And I think that's kind of the icing on the letdown cake for their fans is that, you know, we've waited a long time. We know these players are skilled. When is it going to come together? And so maybe this is the type of bonding trip where they don't have to hear about it. They don't have to read about it. Um, you know, they don't have to watch uh, reports on how underachieving they are, and they can just go out and do it. So I'm fascinated to see uh, how they react to this, because I still think that this team 
is in the top half of the NHL when it comes to talent. But as we all know, in professional sports, that doesn't necessarily mean that you will finish in the top half of the league um, in the standings. And, and, and that, that's the perplexion of the Ottawa Senators. What you know, I think it, everybody knows. I think with Michael Anlauer and Steve Seos, big picture, everybody knows they're headed in the right direction, right? I mean, yep. I think everybody can just go. You know, I've had the pleasure of meeting both Michael on one occasion and also speaking and meeting uh, and spending some time with Steve Seos. I mean, you're talking about class individuals, and if and if you put together a dynamic duo, guess what? Ottawa, you have it. And so from that standpoint, everybody, I think, just goes, okay, right? Like, this is a really good spot. But now you dial into this question, Mike, what what are they missing? Because if you look at the young talent that is there, what are, is there a piece? Is there something that they add that, is it something, you know, what is it that they're missing that now, Instead of this roller coaster ride that they all know, right, and have been on, what what now gets them? Okay, hey, let's get some consistency in here. Well, I think over the last few years, that more than anything else, it's been goaltending, and and you know, I'm not ready to pull the plug on Corpus Allo. I didn't think it was a bad deal at the time. Uh, I'm not sure I like the term. I believe it's five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought he was one of the better solutions that's out there. But it, it's it's a question that you can ask around the National Hockey League. I mean, you know, Vegas won the cup last year with five goaltenders. So, you know, to, you can go down a list of seven or eight goalies this year where you would say this is a franchise guy. And then it kind of goes chaotically in a lot of different directions. I think for the fan base, the fact that they traded away uh, Gustafson to Minnesota, and he had such a great year last year. Um, still sticks. Now he has there. come back to he has come back to normal this year, yes. though. Yes. I mean, so let's remind um, everybody of that. And and they are struggling, right? They've dropped three in a row. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, like that's. And know. and at some point, it's going to fall on DJ Smith. And I like DJ. I think he's a good coach. I mean, everybody's talking about uh, the fact that Chris Knobloch took over in Edmonton. Um. And I can remember when Chris Chris Knobloch was coaching the uh, the Erie Otters, they played DJ Smith's Oshawa Generals in the final, and DJ Smith found a way to shut down um, one of the highest powered junior teams in NHL or uh, in OHL history to win the Memorial Cup. Now, why that defensive structure hasn't translated into the National Hockey League? I'm not sure, but I think that is the biggest issue with this team is that they can't outscore as, as, as talented as they are up front, they can't outscore um, their defense, their defensive deficiencies. And and to me, that's been the biggest problem with this. Well, team. They, but remember they you know, not to defend the senators too much, but at one point this year that they had three of their top six defensemen injured. And that's you know, what I mentioned earlier, the injuries, yes. Yeah, the, so Shabbat, uh, Brandstrom, and Zub were all hurt. Now, I think Zub and Brandstrom are on the trip, right, Mike? Yes. And and yep. so and, and Thomas Shabbat was supposed to be a prolific puck-moving defenseman, and if he could stay healthy, he'd be a difference maker. So they're, they're, going, to be, they're going to be better, but it, in the end, it's 
when you talk about roller coaster, the inconsistency has been amazing for this hockey club. There yeah. are nights you look at them and you say, oh my God, they are the real deal. And then two nights later, there's nothing in the tank. And now is that just, is that an experience? Is that youthfulness? What is it? I wish I had the answer. I mean, I, I mean, it was just, I believe it was just last week where they came in and they were really impressive against Toronto. Yeah. And then the next night they go home and in the first five minutes they're trailing Vancouver two to nothing. So <laughs> the first 15 seconds they are down. Yeah. The yeah. first 15 so talk, seconds. Talk about a buzz kill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that all the momentum that you built, you know, beating your greatest rival in their house and 15 seconds later splat yeah it's uh it, it, maybe, it, it, maybe they get involved in the calgary situation i don't know how they be can. Like I, I don't states. i don't know how they can i don't know how they can they they this and their roster is i mean when you look at the names on the ottawa senators roster and this is where you give pierre dorian credit you know, you know he 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 drafted the right guy in, in Brady Kachuk. You know he he waited, he waited he waited everybody out and Instant. got Chipper yeah. at the right time. Yep. You know he he did a lot of good things. Now there were yep. obviously there were some issues and you can respect that and it's too bad that he's gone. But you know the the formation of this roster is not bad. So yep. hence hence the focus on what DJ can do. By the way, I did do that series. Uh, that you're talking about between Oshawa and Erie uh, on television. And it was one of the fascinating ones to watch. And, and Cole Castles, who was so banged up, he couldn't even practice. Cole Castles was assigned to beat Connor McDavid. And he did an amazing job through that whole playoff on Connor McDavid. But, you know, that's junior hockey. It's not the NHL. And, it's, and there's different animals now. So it, it's fascinating to see. Before we let you go, Mike, there are a couple of stories um, on this side of the Atlantic that are, are really interesting to look at. The Washington Capitals are now second in the Metropolitan Division. And uh, they beat Vegas last night. How are they doing that. this? How are they doing this? And uh, Spencer Carberry has, seems to have this team pointed in the right direction. They're not the fastest team. And they're doing it without Ovi dominating the goal scoring. It really is something to, to marvel at what Washington has done. And they're also not doing it with Nick Backstrom, albeit like, I mean, he hasn't, you know, been that contributor that we've known for a couple of years. But no, no I, I wondered if Joe Biden was, uh, you know, <laughs> had broken out the celebratory wine with the uh, Vegas Knights, Golden Knights the other day. They, uh, of course, were on Capitol Hill uh in the white house to meet with the president um you know because they looked like they were hung over in that game but john i i agree with you i mean the beginning of that of the season i looked at the washington capitals and they looked so slow and they looked yes. so old and in a lot of instances it's because they are slow and they are old but what carberry has done to turn them around i mean i looked at the standings today and say whoa when did that happen so full marks to them. Again, it's gonna, it's November. It's gonna be sustainability. And we always talk about US Thanksgiving, and that gives you an idea who's gonna get into the playoffs. But I think we've seen in the last couple of years 
because of the parity in the league and teams being that close, that there's going to be a lot more reshuffling than maybe we've seen at U.S. Thanksgiving in previous years. Well, I'll tell you what, I think it, it, it by the way, people in Edmonton and Calgary uh, are, are thrilled that you think it's not going to be U.S. Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> listen, listen, I picked the Oilers to win Christmas the cup, time. okay? So it can be <laughs> Easter, and I'm going to say the Oilers still have a shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, and I'll tell you, there's the other week, I thought Washington was going to be a, a, a disappointment this year. I thought St. Louis was going to be a disappointment. Yeah. And they have, they've turned it around. They have been remarkable the last 10 days. It's, it's, you know, just when you think you have an idea of what the game's all about, it really jumps up and bites you. It really does. But there. isn't it such that like this early on to, to Mike's point, it's like you have a good week or week and a half and, and you're right back there. You're talking about the parody of it. You know what? You, for all the struggling that's happening with a lot of these, you know what? Go out there for a week and a half, and all of a sudden, boom, you're right back there. Yeah. Listen, listen, guys, and I mean, you know, it's great that you have me on to talk about this stuff, but, like, I know sweet you-know-what all because the Boston Bruins have the best record in the National <laughs> Hockey League. They keep losing players. They keep getting better, and I keep being wrong. So what do I know? Uh, well, here, Other here's than the fact I, I'm in Stockholm. Here, Yeah, and here's what I know. Uh, with the time change, it's a little later in the day for you, Michael. And I know it's dark in Stockholm already by the time you're doing this. And it's time for you to go to dinner. Well, thank you very much for having me on, guys. And uh, great to great see both you. of you. And uh, I'll be back on the home front, uh, John. I want nothing uh, less than 10 degrees Celsius when I get back on Sunday. You know thank what? You. you know what? I'll tell you what. Great Cup Sunday is going to be a, a, a nice toasty day. It's going to be fun to watch the Great Cup in Hamilton. And it, it, we, we're not going to get snow before Christmas, Mike, so it won't be a problem. Good stuff. And that, Maddie, uh, you take care. Always great to be talking to you. Yeah, likewise, Mikey. We'll see you. Mike Zeisberger from Stockholm, Sweden. Matt and I will be back after this on the McCowan Podcast. So, Matt, the great thing about... Uh, basketball is that when you go around the world they don't change the size of the court <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's it's 90 by 50 90 by 50 yeah. i think right um yeah. uh, and, and you know and 94. the hoops the hoop the, 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 the yeah. hoops is it 94 or 90 94 yeah, yeah 94 okay so whatever hoop, we, you know it's the same size <laughs> except same for size some ever. of those old cyo barns you know yeah. like oh, those old you know, that, uh, and I've done basketball games in some of them where you have the stage on one end, right? Yes. And yeah. we uh, all played in those ones, Matty. We all played in those ones. Yes, yeah, all, <laughs> we all played in those, but you're, you're, um, you're right, you know. But in Stockholm, a little bit different with the ice. Yeah, in Stockholm, which is normally uh, as uh, the Federation, International Ice Hockey Federation rules are 200 by 100, uh, they're actually going to contract the sideboards. Uh, 15 feet, seven and a half feet on either side, and it's going to be a, a regular National Hockey League rink in Stockholm for these four games, which to me, uh, I think that's the only way you can do it and count them in the in the regular season standings. But at the, at the same time, yeah, you have to wonder about 
uh, sight lines for fans. They're a little farther away than normal for the, the groups that are going to be in the arena, which, by the way, was sold out quickly. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it, there's no advantage to the European players to go back to Europe and, and Sweden and play on North American ice. It'll be the same ice surface that they play here in North America. And, and, and I would imagine, I don't know, but very much as, as is the case in the multi-purpose facilities around North America, where you have, you know, the boards and then and obviously from a basketball perspective, you could have up to six, seven rows, maybe even more sometimes in some situations uh, before you get to the bench. It'll be interesting to see, I would imagine they'll uh, have the, the boards, which they would typically have, and then the gap. And I wonder if they'll fill that in with seats, I would think. I don't know. I look forward I think to seeing be a that, few, right? I think there'll be a few more seats, yes. Yeah, be a few more seats, and, and, and the bench benches situation will be interesting to see how all that gets played out. But I look forward to it. It's great. I, I love it. And the fact that, um, you know, European players uh, have that opportunity, the kids – uh, that are there in the marketplace get to see it at a normal time. I think all those things that Mike talked about. I, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of this. I, I, I look forward to it. Well, you, you know what? It's amazing. Uh, uh, technology is amazing. The fact that you know Zeisberger looked like he was actually had a better signal than you and I uh, on the show, and he, and, <laughs> he and, and, he, and he's in Sweden. Um, you know, I remember as a kid watching international hockey from Stockholm or from from uh, Moscow and it was a grainy it was a grainy picture you wondered if it was in color or was it just a really good black and white um, and and the world has I mean the world has just become so so much smaller because of technology yeah, that you don't even you don't even think about where that game is tomorrow it'll look like a regular national hockey league rink it'll just look yeah. a, like a normal thing and that's kind of cool and, and Mike talked about something uh, it, during the uh, during the show about you know how do kids in Sweden and in lots of places in the world watch the NHL when games start at one o'clock in the morning local time? The NHLs have done a really good job, and I think the NBA. I think they probably took the attack from the NBA. Um, the NHL's done a really good job of moving weekend games with particular teams to the afternoon to be in prime time in Europe. You know, Buffalo plays a lot of afternoon games, particularly with some of the bright young European stars they have, like Rasmus Dahlin, so that they can be seen back in the home country. And that's that's happening more and more. And and because hey, the revenue coming from Europe now has increased so much as well, so that it's worth their while to do that. Yeah, no doubt. And speaking of Buffalo, which we didn't get into, you know, unfortunate news about Tate wow, Thompson. Yeah. You know, you know, and. Uh, He's, you know, he's a, a star. I love watching him, and and uh, it's just unfortunate, you know, for for Buffalo right now. <laughs> I I actually texted somebody today when they said, "Oh, Sabers, another issue, another problem." I said, "Don't worry about it. Nobody's paying attention anymore. The Bills are not good. The world <laughs> is falling apart because all they're doing is talking about the Bills." The well, Bills, Josh the Allen's Bills, uh, taking a lot of heat right now. <laughs> Josh and Allen, Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs' brothers, like you got to get out of there, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, so the Sabers, 
And I mean, I'm one of those guys. I think the Sabres are on the rise. They've done a lot of good yeah, things. But when it comes to the Bills and the Sabres, it's a Bills town, baby. There's hey, no and doubt. by the way, we're going to you know, forget about uh, Buffalo. We're going to talk Boston. Lots of stories in Boston, whether it be the Celtics, whether it be the Bruins, whether it be the New England Patriots. Bob Ryan's with us tomorrow. We've met Bob. You know what? I have, but it's been years. I'm talking years ago, and he probably would not remember. I was, uh, uh, you know, a youngster, you know, just uh, getting into the league um, and introducing myself to him at a, at a Celtic game because he's somebody that, as you well know, when you got the daily papers uh, or even if you were living in another town and you would go down to the newsstand um, and you would buy you know, a half a dozen papers, you know, and you would devour them all. He was obviously one that, uh, with the Boston Globe, uh, that you paid a lot of attention to. By the way, the Bruins are fun to watch, but but here's the thing, and you know this, in Boston, they are, the the regular season, whatever. They, they <laughs> are in the whatever mode there when it comes to that. They, they only want to talk about, hey, talk to us in April, you know? You're talk right. to us in May, talk to us in June. Well, we'll talk about it with Bob Ryan tomorrow. Thank you for this, Maddie. Thank you. This is the McCown Podcast. See you tomorrow.